Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number one. What to do before you start a practice. Hello and welcome. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Center and the Clinician Business Institute. I am so happy that you found your way to the NP Business Matters podcast, where we're going to talk about everything that has to do with the business of being a nurse practitioner. Now, before I get started, I want to invite you to go on over to iTunes or to wherever you normally subscribe to podcasts and subscribe to the NP Business Matters podcast. That way you can keep up with all of the topics that we'll be talking about that have to do about business, as well as meeting some very exciting guests. So today I thought I would talk about what to do before you start a business. And this is a pretty um, appropriate talk about or topic to talk about because I hear so often from people, what do I need to do? I don't know where to start. How do I start a business? And so I really want to start where I actually recommend people start when they start looking about their business. And that's by doing an assessment. And we all know that. I mean, that's just part of the nursing process. You do an assessment of the problem. The problem being, do I want to start a practice? One of the things that I often recommend when we start looking at that assessment is doing that analysis. And there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. The traditional business way is to do a SWOT analysis. SWOT meaning strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And a SWOT analysis is a great tool. In fact, you can apply it to so many different situations. It doesn't have to just be about business, but you can use this in your personal life as well. But I'd like to take it a step further. And so when I'm working with nurse practitioners, I want them to do something, what I call the PPFM analysis. And this is an acronym that I came up with that stands for personal, professional, financial, and market analysis. In the end, when you go through this, it should help you answer that question, should I start a business? So let's go through that today. When we look at the personal realm, we're looking at you, your family, your life. So what is it that you really want out of life? 
a lot of people have a hard time answering that question because our tendency is to say, well, I want this, but I don't want this and I don't want this. And so if you're having a hard time saying what it is that you really do want, I often recommend that people go ahead and start listing out the things that they don't want so that they can get to what they do want. So I think that's a really good first question. You also want to take a look at what your goals are, your goals for your lifestyle, your family, perhaps your income, travel, how long you want to work, those sorts of things. You may also want to talk to your family about what their goals are because they're an integral part of this, even though it is your business. And that leads me into what support do you have? You may have a spouse or a partner. Maybe you have children. Maybe they're not really keen on this idea of you taking a whole lot of time, energy, and money away from the family and putting it into a business venture. That is something that you're definitely going to need to address. Do you have support within your professional community or even just your best friend? Are they going to support you? Or are they going to be tearing down the whole idea and helping you find out everything that is wrong with this idea? Do you even have time to begin to start this venture? Because to be honest, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes money. It takes devotion to being able to get this done, even when you don't want to get it done. So do you have the time? Or for instance, are you currently finishing up a doctorate degree and you're eight and a half months pregnant? Why do I throw pregnancy in there? Well, I throw that in there, not because you're a woman starting a business, but because normally for most of us, when we have that baby, we want to spend some time with it and not be spending time building up a business. So you need to take a look at that. I did work with um, a nurse practitioner who actually did her DNP while she was starting her business. And at the end, she told me I would never recommend that to anybody. And had I known that she was doing that at the time, I probably would have encouraged her to just hold off, finish the degree, and then come back and uh, start the practice. And, and But she did it and she did well, and she's been very successful. Another thing that a lot of business education doesn't they don't really talk about this one aspect, but I think it's really important. What does your exit look like? At the end of the day, at the end of your time in this business, how are you going to exit? What do you think that might look like? Do you have a child that you're just going to gift the business to? Do you want to just close the door and walk away? Do you want to sell it to another practitioner or perhaps to a large organization? Why it's important to begin to think about this now is it really helps in part of the startup process because there's different tracks that you need to think about, different things to think about when you're going to do this. It's a lot different if you're just going to hand it over to a child or a friend or just close the door than it is if you're planning on selling this. So you want to think about that. You know, when you're starting a business, there's going to be times when you're going to cry, when you're going to just slap yourself on the head and say, what on earth was I thinking? And when we get to those times, it's very helpful to be able to understand why. Why 
did we go down this road? Why did we want to start a practice? And even so much think back to why did you become a practitioner? Why did you become a nurse or perhaps a PA or a physician, whoever's listening to this? Why did you go down that road? Sometimes we need those whys to remind us that the hump we're trying to go over right now is just a small hump in the road. And we need that encouragement to keep going. So think about your why. How strong is it? How motivating is it? How important is it to you to be able to do this? So now let's move in to what I call professional analysis. This is that second P. So when we're looking at the professional realm of this whole thing, one of the first things that we need to look at is what state are we in? The fact that nurse practitioners in particular do not have the same rules and regulations from state to state. And it doesn't matter if you are in a full practice authority state, an FPA state, because even those are not the same from state to state. So you need to understand what the rules and regulations are. You need to understand what the barriers are to you having a practice. And that can differ from location to location. For example, as of the time of this recording, uh, I believe it's Michigan who doesn't allow nurse practitioners to form corporate structures. Apparently, nurse practitioners are not considered learned professionals in the state of Michigan. And therefore, the only business structure NPs are allowed to have is that as being a sole proprietor. That's not the most advantageous business structure to have by far, and there's a a lot of downsides to that. So you need to be aware of what is going on in your community. You need to look for any other kinds of issues that might be affecting the business climate and nurse practitioners in your area. You need to be aware if there is something called a corporate practice of medicine in your community, because that's going to affect how you practice. A lot of times you can get that information from the Secretary of State and their office and website, wherever you are at. Let's talk about collaboration for a moment. This varies from state to state, and the amount of collaboration is going to vary widely, um, and how you carry out that collaboration will vary widely from state to state. So it is crucial that you understand inside and out what those rules say. You must know what those rules say. You must have um, follow them to the T and you've got to have written agreements. Now we're going to have an episode upcoming that will be just on collaboration because that is such a huge issue for a lot of nurse practitioners. But um, in the meantime, I want to say this, as you start thinking about your nurse, your collaboration, I want you to think about having more than one collaborating physician. And the reason why you want somebody as a backup, somebody who's in your back pocket is because in some states, the moment you don't have a collaborating physician, for whatever reason, you're not going to be able to practice. And you might have patients in your waiting room. That is not a made up situation that has happened to more than one nurse practitioner over the years. So again, you want to have more than one collaborator. 
Another area I think that is really, really important to talk about as we talk about the professional aspects of all of this is, are you clinically ready? I cannot tell you how many students, how many new graduates have approached me about starting their own practice. And I'm glad that they're enthusiastic and I appreciate them asking questions. But that said, as a new clinician, you need to have strong clinical legs. You need to be able to practice autonomously. And you don't have that when you first come out of school. The vast majority of us, when we come out of school, we're looking things up a lot. We're asking people to confirm our own findings and our own ideas about how to treat something. So we need to make sure that we are clinically strong because when you're out in your own practice, you're, you chances are you're not going to have a lot of people around you to help support you. So again, learn how to be a strong nurse practitioner first, and then let's talk about supporting you in your growth as a business owner. The other thing too is even as a you know in terms of being clinically ready, is it an area that you have passion? Is it an area where that you have significant knowledge? And I'll share a story with you. At uh, one point, I was looking at wanting to do something a little bit different. I was getting a little bit burned out with primary care. And um, we were also moving to a different uh, town. And a lot of my colleagues said, oh, my goodness, we need somebody to do derm. You can, you know, please open up a derm practice. And for a split second, and I do mean split second, I thought, oh, well, I like cutting things. I like sewing things up. I'll go do derm. But that, before I can even finish that thought, it was out of my head because I don't know derm. That is not my area of expertise. And there, I would be foolish to try and start a practice doing dermatology. It would be irresponsible. So please know what your passions are, know what your skills are, know where you are clinically strong when you are considering starting up a clinical practice. And then finally, as you're looking at this professional segment, keep in mind that opening up a business, a practice is not a solo sport. This is a team event and you need to have people in your corner. You need to start seeking out some of the people that will become important to you, not only as you start up, but as you continue to go through your practice, as you grow your practice, and even as you end your practice. So one of the first people I always recommend is a CPA. Your CPA can advise you on a lot of different things, including the appropriate corporate structure in your state for the state laws and also for your tax status because corporations, when it comes down to it, it's how you're taxed. And so your CPA should be able to tell you how and what would be most advantageous to you. Many practices start up without attorneys. Some of them start with attorneys. It really just depends on where you're at and how complicated the rules and regulations are. Um, I know tons and tons and tons who have not necessarily consulted with an attorney at startup. 
The thing that I think is really important is that you need to identify somebody. You need to have a relationship with somebody because chances are there is a time that you're going to need to consult with that attorney for one reason or another. You may need to have a business coach, a financial coach, perhaps somebody who can help you with practice management, particularly in the startup phase. And depending on what you're doing, you may need to have some kind of a clinical or specialty expert uh, nearby that you can pick up the phone and, and talk with and learn from them as well. So again, you want to assemble a team around you. Now let's look at the financial aspect of this. And this is, uh, this is huge. And this is something as well, I'm just going to give you an overview because we will come back to this many, many times because it is that important. But when you are getting ready to start your business and you're building that business plan, which is what we're talking about here is doing the research to get everything you need to start your business plan. One of the most important questions that you're going to answer, in fact, probably the most important question that you want to answer as you start looking at this is, is this business going to be financially feasible? Does this make sense in order to do it? You've got to put that kind of data down on paper to know whether it's even worth your while to doing this. There's various different ways to do this. You can go into great detail. You can just do a quick and dirty, but you've got to do something to get started here. So let's talk about income. Where is it going to come from? How much are you going to get? What is your revenue model going to be? Are you going to be taking insurances? Are you going to do a cash-based practice? It's very popular now for a lot of nurse practitioners who are doing direct pay practices. Medicare is something that shouldn't be just thrown out the window at a drop of a hat. And we'll have a guest coming on who's going to talk about how primary care practices can make a, a significantly decent salary or revenue by just seeing Medicare patients. So as you start looking at your revenue model and where it's going to come from, you need to determine fees. You need to determine how much you're going to get paid from different payers. You may also want to consider different streams that you can bring into your practice once you're already established. But those base, let's say, patients revenue that's going to be coming into your practice, you need to know what that's going to be. And of course, this is a guesstimate. It's an educated guess, but it's a place to start. The next thing you need to look at is what are the costs going to be? So you're going to have cost for startup, which might be the purchase or lease of a space, and perhaps you need to do renovations or build it out, all your initial supplies and equipment that you're going to need, the initial consultation fees, training, anything like that is going to go in your initial startup one-time costs. But then you've also got overhead, that recurring monthly overhead. And that can include things like salaries, which is usually the number one line item for any business. It'll include maybe your rent or mortgage, lease payment, whatever it is, professional fees, collaboration, uh, medical supplies, office supplies, subscription costs, the EMR, a biller, 
marketing, insurances, you know, all of those kinds of things that are paid on a monthly recurring basis. What you want to be able to see when you sit there and you look at those numbers of what's coming in and what's going out, you want to see the what's coming in be higher than what is going out. You want to see an upward curve of money that you are actually able to hold on to. If it is going the other way, or even if it's staying flat, you may want to sit down and rework those numbers. Do you need to have less expenses starting up? Maybe the office needs to be smaller. Maybe you need to see more patients. You're going to have to balance those numbers. And that's why it's so important. Get them onto a spreadsheet, play with the numbers and see what comes up. Where are you going to get the money to start your practice? That's always a question. So a lot of people will take personal savings and they'll start their practices with that. Some will take personal loans. So from family and friends or even a home equity loan. And others will go for commercial loans or even credit cards. What I want to stress about loans is that that needs to become one of your cost factors. Money is not free. A loan is not free. You still have to pay it back. There's still going to be interest. So you need to really take into account if you're doing that sort of thing. I often get asked about, well, can I get a grant to start my practice? Most grants that are out there... First of all, grants are not free money because there's work that you have to do on the back end uh, to, well, the work you have to do on the front end to apply for the loan, but also on the back end to justify why you got the loan. But um, most of those are reserved for nonprofit practices. And you can do that. NPs do talk about nonprofit practices, but sometimes in a community, you can get a community grant. And those are going to be things that are set there to do business development in the community. So it may be to help you start a business. It may be to help you grow a business. And that's going to vary, of course, from community to community. Other funding sources include things like uh, financial institutions that aren't banks, There's social lending and microfinancing, and I'll let you, in the interest of time, look those things up yourself. We'll talk about them later. Um, And sometimes people ask me about investors. The thing to think about if you are getting an investor is that investor, that stockholder is going to own a portion of your business. So you really need to think about that if that is something that you're going to do. Certainly a lot of the big healthcare tech startups do have investors and they do that in order to invest and to get a return on their investment. And they do own a certain portion of that business. But for the small everyday practice that we often see, that's usually not a way that you want to go. So let's talk about the market right now, market analysis. When I talk about market analysis, I don't mean marketing your practice, i.e. getting the word out about your practice. But what I am talking about is what is the market like? Who else is playing in your sandbox, if you will? So what other practices are there that are similar to yours? Are they doing what you want to do? And as a matter of fact, what is it you want to do? And who do you want to see? And is anyone else providing care to those people? 
you want to look at the demographics. Obviously, you want to know if people have insurance or not insurance. Um, and if they do have insurance, which ones are there? What is the need? Are they being met by any of these other practices? For instance, you may have a practice or you may be in a community where a lot of your people work at um, maybe one or two different places and maybe it's all shift work. And so those people are available for appointments perhaps after three o'clock in the afternoon. Let's just use our regular seven to three shift, right? Most practices will close at five. Well, is there an opportunity for you to perhaps be open in evening hours so that those people can be seen for primary care instead of in the urgent care? So you want to look for holes that you can fill. You want to look for opportunities that are available. You want to look at what challenges are out there for people. The most important thing is that you can differentiate yourself from whoever else is there. So for example, a lot of times I will hear, oh, but somebody else is already doing this in my practice. Well, that's great. Think about this. If you look around any hospital in any city, in any state, you're going to find a cluster of medical offices, right? There might be five primary care offices, family practice. There may be three surgeons. There might be two psychologists or psychiatrists, you know, just maybe a couple of different pediatric offices. What that tells you is that there is a need. There would not be that many practices if there wasn't a need. What's even more important to find out is, are they taking new patients? Because a lot of times they won't be. And that tells you right there that if you wanted to go start a family practice and all the family practice practices are not taking new patients or they're only taking certain kinds of patients, that gives you a clue about what's going on in that community. So as you take a look at all of this information and you get it down on paper, you want to ask yourself, do you still want to do this? Does it even make sense? Can you make the numbers work? Do you have the support that you need in order to move forward? And do you have the drive, the energy, the determination to really get this done? You may even want to invite some of those support people to take a look at what you have and to discuss it with them. Discuss it at least with colleagues who are already doing this because that'll help you make that decision. You can do this. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nurse practitioners are doing this. So there's no reason that you can't as well. In future episodes, we'll be talking about what it is that you actually need to do to start your business. And then how do you make sure that it's going to be successful and profitable? Thank you so much for taking a listen to this episode of the NP Business Podcast. I'd like to invite you to go on over to npbusiness.com where you'll find the show notes for this episode and all of our episodes. And I'd love to hear from you. Are you getting ready to start your own practice or have you already done so? And what did you find that was really helpful here? And what would be helpful for you as you move forward? So once again, thank you so much for listening and sharing our show. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner, and I'll see you in our next episode. Bye-bye now.